0: And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album, author of the book Tuesdays with Maury and the new book The Stranger in the Lifeboat, which uh, I want to thank everybody who has received it so well. We've done a couple shows now about the book. And uh, Lisa Goitz, my friend and producer, is here with me. Lisa, I have some good news to report uh, to you actually huh? we just found out not long ago before we we're uh, recording this podcast thanks to your efforts i'm sure and uh and and people on this podcast that uh, the stranger in the lifeboat is going to debut at number one on the new york times bestsellers list
1: when it comes out. so i'm crying
0: <laughs> uh, we thank all of you uh for going out and getting it and uh I don't know if it was me reading some of it on the podcast or hopefully just people like the book, but thank you. Thank you everybody for doing that very, very much.
1: That is exciting. My it dogs in the deal. background just got so excited as well. They've heard <laughs> me getting excited. They're excited.
0: That's all it takes. So uh we appreciate <laughs> Yay. that. And it's been uh it'll be next year'll be twenty-five years actually since Tuesdays with Maury, the book came out, upon which this podcast is is inspired, and it got me thinking, because when I saw the calendar change to November, the first thing I thought is, well, I've got November, the book comes out in November, the new book comes out in November, on November 2nd, and uh, I better be prepared for that. Uh, Then, as always, every November that rolls around reminds me that November 4th was when Maury passed away. And, of course, that was back in 1995. And... We haven't really spoken about that. We've spoken over the course of many, many podcasts and several years worth of podcasts now about the lessons from Tuesdays with Maury, many of the lessons that Maury had, but I don't think we've ever actually spoken about the day that he died, how I felt about it then and how I feel about it now, and the last request that he sort of had of me, which I think is... It would be interesting in and of itself, just because Maury was such an interesting character, but I think hopefully it's interesting to all of you, because there is a moment where we have to say goodbye. There's a moment where we have to say goodbye to our loved ones, and it is not a moment we look forward to. It's a moment in many cases we dread, but it is a moment that we're going to all have to face. And then it's, what do we do with that moment? What do we do after that moment? And Blessedly for me, getting a chance to um, spend that time with Maury and then have our last moments together gave me a a blueprint for how to do it with other people in my life. And so being able to say goodbye to Maury, you know, right up close to him as he was dying, enabled me when time came with my mother, with my father, with uh, even with Chica— although I don't think you're ever prepared for a child, um, to sort of brace for it and understand it. So I wanted to share some of the goodbye that Maury and I had, which will now be, um, this is uh, 26 years ago, this month.
1: 26, it's not 25 years this year, it's Well, 25
0: for the book. The book right. will be twenty five next year, but our experience, because it was nineteen ninety five, will be twenty six years. Just was twenty six years ago. Wow! This month, twenty six years ago this month, and here is a. Uh, here is some of, what happened on that very last visit. And I remember that. I came into the house, and I always visited Maury in his office. Although the bedroom and the office weren't very far apart, Maury always insisted on being carried from his bedroom to the office, and then he would greet people, visitors like me, in his office. The reason for this was because he said, when you're in bed, you're dead, (laughs) which was one of his aphorisms. He liked ones that (laughs) rhyme. You're in bed, you're dead. In other (laughs) words, get up no matter what your condition is, even if you have ALS, even if you can't move and somebody has to carry you, get out of bed and start the day and live the day. He didn't want to be seen as a patient. And so right. he didn't want to be seen in bed. So I never saw Maury's bedroom. And all the time that I was visiting, I knew where it was, but I never went in it. That's
1: interesting, wow. Never
0: went in it, not once.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: So here's how it went, how I remembered it um, in the book from page 183. I tapped my shoe lightly on the hardwood floor. Eventually, I heard a door open and close, then Charlotte's footsteps came toward me. All right, she said softly, he's ready for you. I rose and turned down our familiar spot. And then I saw a strange woman sitting at the end of the hall in a folding chair, her eyes on a book, her legs crossed. This was a hospice nurse, part of the 24-hour watch. I entered Maury's study, but it was empty. I was confused. Then I turned back hesitantly to the bedroom, and there he was, lying in bed under the sheet. I had seen him like this only one other time, when he was getting massaged, and the echo of his aphorism, when you're in bed you're dead, began anew inside my head. I entered the bedroom pushing a smile onto my face. He wore a yellow pajama-like top. "'and a blanket covered him from the chest down. "'The lump of his form was so withered "'that I almost thought there was something missing. "'He was as small as a child. "'Mori's mouth was open and his skin was pale "'and tight against his cheekbones. "'When his eyes rolled toward me, he tried to speak, "'but I heard only a soft grunt. "'There he is,' I said, "'mustering all the excitement I could find in my empty till. "'He exhaled, shut his eyes, then smiled, the very effort seeming to tire him. "'My dear friend,' he finally said. "'I am your friend,' I said. "'I'm not so good today. "'Tomorrow will be better,' I said. "'He pushed out another breath and forced a nod. "'He was struggling with something beneath the sheets, "'and I realized he was trying to move his hands "'toward the opening. "'Hold!' he said. I pulled the covers down and grasped his fingers. They disappeared inside my own. I leaned in close, a few inches from his face. It was the first time I had seen him unshaven, the small white whiskers looking so out of place as if someone had shaken salt neatly across his cheeks and chin. How could there be new life in his beard when it was draining everywhere else? Maury, I said softly. ''Coach!'' he corrected. ''Coach!'' I said. I felt a shiver. He spoke in short bursts, inhaling air, exhaling words. His voice was thin and raspy. He smelled of ointment. ''You are a good soul,'' he said. ''A good soul,'' I repeated. ''You touched me,'' he whispered. He moved my hands to his heart. ''Here!'' felt as if I had a pit in my throat. Coach, I said. Ah. I don't know how to say goodbye. He patted my hand weakly, keeping it on his chest. This is how we say goodbye. He breathed softly in and out. I could feel his ribcage rise and fall. Then he looked straight at me. Love you, he rasped. I love you too, coach, I said. No, you do. I know something else too. What else do you know, I said. You always have. Now, maybe that's hard to hear for some of you, or maybe it brings back memories of when you were... um, saying goodbye to your loved one, the parent or brother or sister, dear friend. But, you know, I read that and I look back on that and then I say, man, how lucky I was. How lucky I was to have that moment, to have that sort of uh, closure um uh, not closure in a relationship because relationships go on, but closure in terms of all right, we recognize that we're that we're leaving. It's a little bit like that moment when somebody you love, maybe your husband, your wife, your your parents, they're going to go on a long trip, and you got everything set. You get a you know you about the, the 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 taxis outside right, and uh, the pad the bags are in the trunk. You got your tickets? Yeah, I got your tickets. Do you, do, you, do you have the phone number to call with yeah, you? I have the phone number. You know the hotel, right? They're meeting you at the Yes, yeah, so you, You've gone through the whole checklist, right? We, that, we all do this, right? Mm-hmm. You've gone through the checklist. Yeah. And then there's that moment where you go, well, right? They always say that word. Well, like, okay, we've gone through the checklist. Well, this is it, right? And you open your arms and you hug the person, right? Have a great uh, trip. Yeah. Isn't that what we say? Right. Have a great yeah. trip. And we hug them. And we're sad because they're going to be going, you know, and especially if it's your kid going off to college for the first time or your parents going on a cruise or your husband going away or you, whatever it is, there's that moment where you just hold on to them and you say, what do you say to yourself? You say, well, this is goodbye, right? For the moment, this is goodbye. It's not all that different at the end of life. You kind of go through the checklist. Do you know how I feel about you? I do. Have we had a wonderful life together? We have. Mm -hmm. Do you know that I love you? I do. As Maury said, I know something else. You always have loved me, which for me was a big thing because, you know, I I, back in those days, I didn't talk about my emotions. I didn't show any of my emotions. He was always trying to pluck them out of me you know uh, it was a it was a wrestling match half the time uh-huh. but we sort of did all that checklist you know do you know how i feel yeah. about you know and then it was that moment was like okay then this is it right and so when you i knew
1: when you were leaving oh right? i knew it, you, i
0: knew i knew and uh
1: did you t- record this day or no
0: I think I did, but I'm never going to share that with uh, anybody. I've never heard it, so that's why I was wondering. It's a private thing, and you know, I think it's better just having written it down. Uh, Mm -hmm. But let me let me tell you, let me read you the very departure there, because this is what happened. His eyes got small, and then he cried. His face contorting like a baby who hasn't figured out how his tear ducts work. I held him close for several minutes. I rubbed his loose skin. I stroked his hair. I put a palm against his face and felt the bones close to the flesh and the tiny wet tears as if squeeze from a dropper. When his breathing approached normal again, I cleared my throat and said I knew he was tired so I would be back next Tuesday and I expected him to be a little more alert. Thank you. He snorted lightly as close as he could come to a laugh. It was a sad sound, just the same. I picked up the unopened bag. Why had I even brought this? I leaned in and kissed him closely, my face against his, whiskers on whiskers, skin on skin, holding it there longer than normal in case it gave him even a split second of pleasure. "'Okay, then,' I said, pulling away. I blinked back the tears, and he smacked his lips together and raised his eyebrows at the sight of my face, I like to think it was a fleeting moment of satisfaction for my dear old professor. He had finally made me cry. Okay, then, he whispered. Now, we did not see, therefore, have famous last words. Okay? Maury, as wise as he was, he didn't leave me. The last thing out of his mouth was, remember this above all else. To thine own self be true. It wasn't. It wasn't that. It was just okay. Okay. Don't feel bad, folks. If the last sentence that you share with someone that you love isn't profound, wouldn't be Mm -hmm. etched on the side of a building or under a statue. Few people get that. Even more, himself remember it. Or, right. Yeah. I mean, even Mori himself said, "If you want your you want to have some famous last words, you, your timing better be pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. You know, your last breath should come right after your best sentence." That's not what's important. In that exchange, what was important was what came before the last words. Was the part about you know, "I love you, I love you, I also know you've always loved me." You know we settled our kind of relationship that way. And I was so fortunate, as I say, to have that moment where we were able to put all the cards together, stack them neatly, you know, and put them back in the box, so to speak. The game had been played. And we knew where we stood with one another. And then he went off on that long trip. That one that we hug everybody for and say, "Well, you got your papers, mm. you got your things, whatever." And he went on a long trip, and in many ways, that I think immediately after he died, that was how I dealt with it. Uh, well, he's just gone away for a while, and somehow I'll see him again. Yeah.
1: And, and look, it feels you he, have, yeah. That's, <laughs> By the way, that's I, right. <laughs> well, that's right. We've seen him a lot over the that, past twenty six years. Yeah,
0: he. I've talked to him more or less 26 years, and the last twenty six years than the twenty six that preceded it. <laughs> And yeah. uh it was it turned out to be true that there are when he said this is how we say goodbye well there are multiple ways to say goodbye and uh we were blessed to have that and you are blessed to have that with your loved ones if you have settled things and done things right and and used the time leading up to it to make sure that No no, riffs were left unaddressed. No arguments or disagreements were left with the Mm -hmm. threads hanging loose. Mm -hmm. Take that time and say, you know, mom, you know, sis, you know, honey, uh, we fought a lot over that whole thing. I'm sorry. Forgive me for it. Or I forgive you for it or whatever. Yeah. Let's not let that be something. Let's put it aside. It doesn't yeah, take agree. that it doesn't take that much to say those words. And if you can settle things like that, then your goodbye will kind of feel a little bit like that. Oh, you're going off on that long trip, but we've checked off everything on the list, and I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you while you're gone. But you know, we miss people while they're gone on those trips. Until they come back. And if Mm -hmm. you believe that there's something beyond this earth and that we're going to meet up again, then it really is just like a long trip. You know, it's just like you'll be going and I'll get there eventually and I'll see you when I get there.
1: We'll be back with more Tuesday people right after this.
0: I always imagine, like, our grandparents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, most of us are children of immigrants, as we know, here in this country. When that moment came for some of them to leave the old country and come to America, and in those days, you know, you took a boat trip to America that could have taken you a month to get here. You might as well have been going to another planet, and how did the people feel? How did the children feel when they said goodbye to their father? How did the father feel when he said goodbye to his children? How did that, that the uncle feel when his nephews and nieces hugged him for the last time? How did the grandfather who went ahead, you know, trying to build things for everybody else, feel when he had to leave his wife and his and his children behind, never knowing really if no. life would allow them to be reunited? But— there was that feeling, right, that they had that one day if dad makes it over there in America or whatever, they'll send money back and, and we'll be able to join him. There were no phone calls. There, were, no. there was no way to kind stay in touch. Letters even were a difficult proposition to get that far away.
1: Right. Well, travel. Think about that. Yeah. You didn't hop on an airplane back then to right. come see. They exactly. were on boats. Exactly, boats <laughs> like, so and boats that, cost, to...
0: boats that cost tons of money relative to the, yeah. to the money that, that poor immigrants had. Yeah. So for all effects and purposes, they were they were kind of going to a new world, right? But there was always yeah. that piece of hope that they had that one day I'll get to see my father or one day I'll get to see my children. Is that really that much different than what we do here on mm-hmm. earth? when we lose our loved ones and say, you know, well, maybe one day I'll get to see them again. Isn't it a little bit like what they must have gone through? Because years could pass, decades could pass, before they actually got to see one another again. But they always held out that hope. Well, like I say, if you believe in something after this world, if you believe in some kind of afterlife or heaven, then you hold out that hope too. And so when you say goodbye, you know, you you say goodbye because— you're going to miss them in this realm, in this universe, in this thing, but not necessarily forever. And that was a big deal. Now, one of the the last discussions that Maury and I had might have been just before that. Maury asked to hold my hands and he said, I want to ask you a favor. And I may have told this story once or twice over the podcast, but it bears repeating. He said, "After after I'm dead... I want you to visit me at my grave. And I said, well, that's all right. I was going to do that anyhow. And he said, not the way other people do it. When they leave the car running and they get out and they put some flowers down and they get back in the running car, still nice and warm, and they drive away. He said, I want you to come when you have some time. I want you to bring a blanket or some sandwiches. And I want you to talk to me about what's going on in the world how the Red Sox are doing, you know, what's happening with Mm -hmm. your job. Just talk to me. And I said, well, wait a minute. And he said, bring a blanket, bring a sandwich. Plan on sticking around a long time. I said, hang on. You want me to come to a cemetery, have a picnic at your tombstone, and talk to the air? And he said, yeah, just like we're talking now. And I said, well, Maury, it won't be like we're talking now because, let's face it, you won't be able to talk back. And he looked at me as if I were being very naive, and he said, Well, Mitch, I'll make you a deal. After I talk, after I'm dead, you talk, I'll listen. And it was uh, a, you know, yeah. kind of the final joke, a really beautiful little expression. But I have gone to the cemetery many times, and I have done exactly that. I've talked, and I suppose he's listened. I hope he's listened. He has not talked back, by the way, in case any of you are wondering.
1: Uh, (laughs) He's not talked back. Maybe he is, but you just can't hear that frequency, like how dogs can hear
0: uh a specific
1: sound. Mm. Maybe people in the other life are talking to us, but we just aren't able to hear it.
0: Yep. And it's very satisfying to just sit there. It's very peaceful. And Mm -hmm. this is another way that you can kind of deal with the goodbye, is to... Go and visit them at their gravesite. And no, it's not the same thing as going over to their apartment or going to their house or meeting them at the club or going to the pool or checking, you know, yeah. you know with the coffee shop you always used to go to or the restaurant you used to go to. But there is a sense of a there. There is a sense of a, of a location, you know, yeah. uh, same way that there was when you would go meet them. And you can just sit there and, and you can have a conversation. And those conversations can be very pleasant. And they have been for me, and they 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 help me keep a connection, or as Moore used to say, death ends a life and not a relationship. death ends mm-hmm. a life but not a relationship. the relationship can go on if you had a strong relationship here on earth and we did, and so I can talk to him and I sit there and I'm sure it's very funny to people who might be walking past but I'm sitting at a tombstone and I'm Kind of chatting to the air and saying, Well, here's what's going on, or oh, by the way, they're reading your book in Sweden, or they did a production of the play in Israel, or uh guess what a bunch of kids in an Australian classroom wrote me letters about reading your book, and here are the questions they had and and it's very pleasant, yeah, and you can I do like that it. too. Have you done that yet like going with the this- uh, with your mom
1: yeah. My mom, yeah, but not my dad, because my dad passed away um, in June, and I haven't been back there yet, but uh, I talked to my mom while we were burying my dad, because they he was right next to her, right? right. So um, I think open, I said mom. this maybe on the show before, but I got to see a sliver of the, the grave digger guy pointed out a sliver of my mom's you know, the, the cement thing they put them in Uh and he said, there's your mom right there. And I was like, Oh, like Mm. I, I actually felt like I was seeing her, you know, Mm. like seeing her, not just the thing. (laughs) Like it gave me evidence that there she is, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not just the ground you're looking at. Um, so that was really profound to me. I still think of that all the time and it helped me realize that, yeah, my mom and dad are going to be laying right there together for all of eternity. And, Mm. uh, That's that's kind of nice. You know, my brother went to visit today and he took pictures and of he put two flags up for my dad. We're we're recording on Veterans Day and um, he uh, he he took pictures of the flags and that hit me because it's my first it's the first Veterans Day. My dad hasn't been here since World War Two. Right. Think about that. Wow. That's a long time on the earth, you know, It
0: sure is. Well, here is the, uh, the final two pages of Maury and my story in Tuesdays with Maury. Not the last page of the book, but the last page of, of, of kind of Maury's part in it. The, the, all that else is there is there's a conclusion, you know, kind of an epilogue. I don't think I've ever read this, certainly anywhere except on the um, audio book. I'm going to share it with you now. It's labeled Graduation. That's the name of the small little chapter. Maury died on a Saturday morning. His immediate family was with him in the house. Rob made it in from Tokyo, his son, got to kiss his father goodbye. And John, his other son, was there too. And of course, Charlotte was there and Charlotte's cousin, Marcia, who had written the poem that so moved Maury at his unofficial memorial service, his previous funeral. They slept in shifts around his bed. Maury had fallen into a coma two days after our final visit, and the doctor said he could go at any moment. Instead, he hung on through a tough afternoon, through a dark night. Finally, on the 4th of November, when those he loved had left the room just for a moment to grab coffee in the kitchen, the first time none of them were with him since the coma began, Maury stopped breathing, and he was gone. I believe he died this way on a purpose. I believe he wanted no chilling moments, no one to witness his last breath and be haunted by it, the way he had been haunted by his mother's death notice telegram or by his father's corpse in the city morgue. I believe he knew that he was in his own bed, that his books and his notes and his small hibiscus plant were nearby. He wanted to go serenely, and that is how he went. The funeral the second funeral, was held on a damp, windy morning. The grass was wet and the sky was the color of milk. We stood by the hole in the earth, close enough to hear the pond water lapping against the edge and to see ducks shaking off their feathers. Although hundreds of people had wanted to attend, Charlotte kept this gathering small, just a few close friends and relatives. At one point, when Maury's ashes were placed into the ground... I glanced around the cemetery. Maury was right. It was indeed a lovely spot. Trees and grass and a sloping hill. You talk, I'll listen, he had said. I tried doing that in my head, and to my happiness, found that the imagined conversation felt almost natural. I looked down at my hands, saw my watch, and realized why. It was Tuesday. Tuesday. So even then, at the actual wow. funeral Maury had, wow. um, I was talking to him, and it was a Tuesday. It was. Wow. So I hadn't even thought That's about it until I was there. Something. So the point of this chapter of the podcast is that goodbyes don't have to be horrific. We're going to face them all. If you yeah. get things in order beforehand, if you're right with the person— if they know how you feel about them, and and you know how they feel about you, and you have discussed all the things and put to bed all the bad stuff and brought to the forefront all the good stuff, so that you can hold hands and say the tender things to each other, then it is a sad goodbye. But it is as Maury said, this is how we say goodbye: we hold hands mm. and we look into each other's eyes, and that's all we get. That's all we get. But it can be enough. If you put the time in leading up to it with one another, sharing with one another, making time for one another, giving of yourself to one another, doesn't have to be horrible. And in many ways, it can be beautiful. So as we are here 26 years after that day that I just described, the anniversary of which might be right around today, actually, of the actual funeral, Uh, I look back on my time with Maury and realize it was a gift. It was just a gift. And I don't lament the fact that I don't have that gift anymore because who was I to deserve the gift in the first place? You know, of all the people in the world that Maury had taught, he didn't have to make time for me every Tuesday. He was on limited days. His days were literally numbered. And he plucked one day a week out of the week just to talk to me. So,
1: well, good for all of us, well, by the way. That's, it's a gift to everybody.
0: But that's how one life touches another and another and another. Mm-hmm. And Maury had no idea that those Tuesdays would turn into something that would allow him to reach the world through his books, through his yeah. words, and through our podcast, even here, where we're talking that's about. It's
1: crazy. It. I think about that every Tuesday that we do this every week. yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, can I add now? Well, add it at the end. This is our um, second anniversary as well. Of starting the
0: podcast. Wow. Yeah, November
1: 5th. So this is a very, I don't know if I ever connected Maury's death date. Maybe I knew that early on with our podcast start date. It's Hmm. all, it's it's all, wow.
0: It's all wow. It's
1: it's all all wow. wow. It's all wow.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's all wow. Well, it is all wow. Life is all wow. And uh, and death, while not maybe being the wow that we expect it to be, does not have to be horrific if the way you've lived your life up to that moment enables you to say goodbye with peace. And hopefully you've heard so- at least one man's way of doing it, which was always an inspiration to me and hopefully to you as well. Yeah. That's going to wrap it up for today's edition of our podcast. So we thank you as always for joining us. We appreciate the time that you give us. I've met a lot of people out on the road now for Stranger in the Lifeboat who have said, oh, I love your Tuesday podcast. I, I can't wait. I like the one you did last week. I really you know, referencing them. It's wonderful to hear that because you operate in a little bit of a vacuum here and it's, you never know, but you get out into the public and you hear a lot of good things. So thank you for all that Thank you for embracing the new book, The Stranger in the Lifeboat. Thank you for embracing number Tuesdays one. with Maury and uh, all the one. books in between. Number one. Uh, well, remember what Maury said. What's the matter with being number two? So we're not going <laughs> to be gloating well, about
1: it. Yeah, but today celebrate your number one, Mitch. Well, Darn I'll it.
0: Celebrate the readers that are out there enjoying the book. And I'll celebrate the chance to get with you again next week. Until then, on behalf of Lisa Goich, I'm Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday.
1: Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at WeTuesdayPeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.